All right, boys and girls, so we are going to continue reading The Tiger Rising. So the last time we read or listened, we learned all these things about Rob in the story. We learned that his mom passed away. We learned that he has this rash of some sort on his legs. We learned that he doesn't cry anymore because his dad hit him and told him it wasn't going to change anything. So he hasn't cried since the day his mom passed away. We read and learned that he gets bullied by these boys on the bus and that he keeps all of his emotions in this suitcase, he calls it, and he doesn't let them out. So at the end of the last chapter that we read, this girl with yellow hair and a pink lacy dress walked up the steps and onto the bus. We're going to learn more about this character today because she plays an important role in the story. So make sure you're listening about, you're going to learn a little bit about her just based on her actions and the way she responds to people. You're going to learn about a little bit about who she is. So chapter three, nobody wore pink lacy dresses to school. Nobody. Even Rob knew that. He held his breath as he watched the girl walk down the aisle of the bus. Here was somebody, even stranger than he was. He was sure. Hey, Norton called. This is a school bus. I know it, the girl said. Her voice was gravely and deep, and the words sounded clipped and strange, like she was stamping each one of them out with a cookie cutter. You're all dressed up to go to a party, Billy said. That ain't the party bus. He elbowed Rob in the ribs. Ha! Norton laughed. He gave Rob a friendly thud on the head. The girl stood in the center of the aisle, swaying with the movement of the bus. She stared at them. It's not my fault you don't have any good clothes, she said finally. She sat down and put her back to them. Hey, said Norton. We're sorry. We didn't mean nothing. Hey, he said again. What's your name? The girl turned and looked at them. She had a sharp nose and a sharp chin, and black, black eyes. Sistine, she said. Sistine, hooted Billy. What kind of stupid name is that? Like the chapel, she said slowly, making each word clear and strong. Rob stared at her amazed. What are you looking at, she said to him. Rob shook his head. Yes, said Norton. He cuffed Rob on the ear. What are you staring at, disease boy? Come on, he said to Billy. And together they swaggered up the aisle of the bus and sat in the seat behind the new girl. They whispered things to her, but Rob couldn't hear what they were saying. He thought about the Sistine Chapel. He had seen a picture of it in the big art book that Mrs. Dupre kept on a small shelf behind her desk in the library. The pages of the book were slick and shiny, and each picture made Rob feel cool and sweet inside, like a drink of water. On a hot day, Mrs. Dupre let Rob look at the book because he was quiet and good in the library. It was her reward to him. In the book, the picture from the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel showed God reaching out and touching Adam. It was like they were playing a game of tag like God was making Adam it. It was a beautiful picture. Rob looked out the window at the gray rain and the gray sky and the gray highway. He thought about the tiger. He thought about God and Adam. And he thought about Sistine. 
He did not think about the rash. He did not think about his mother, and he did not think about Norton and Billy Thringlinger. He kept the suitcase closed. So we learned our new character is Sistine. Did you notice how she responds differently from when it comes to being bullied by these three Munger brothers? She talks back and stands up for herself, which is quite different from our main character, Rob, who we said kind of just takes getting bullied. He lets someone dig their knuckles into his head and um, he got cuffed in the ear, so like popped in the head kind of like in the ear. So they're very different characters. So chapter four. Sistine was in Rob's sixth grade homeroom class. Mrs. Solms made her stand up and introduce herself. My name, she said, is in her gravely voice, is Sistine Bailey. She stood at the front of the room in her pink dress, and all the kids stared at her with open mouths as if she had just stepped off a spaceship from another planet. Rob looked down at his desk. He knew not to stare at her. He started working on a drawing of the tiger. What a lovely name, said Mrs. Soames. Thank you, said Sistine. Patrice Wilkins, who sat in the front of Rob, snorted and then giggled and then covered her mouth. I'm from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Sistine said, home of the Liberty Bell. And I hate the South because the people in it are ignorant. And I'm not staying here in Lister. My father is coming to get me next week. She looked around the room defiantly. Well, said Mrs. Soames, thank you very much for introducing yourself, Sistine Bailey. You may take your seat before you put your foot in your mouth any farther. Now she's saying before you stick your foot in your mouth, which means kind of like you're saying things that are kind of going to make you look silly. Um, because remember, they live in the South. They are from... The story takes place in Florida. So if Sistine's sitting there telling people that she doesn't like people from the South, she is telling her entire class that she does not like them. And that's why they said she is um, sticking her foot in her mouth. The whole class laughed at that. Rob looked up just as Sistine sat down. She glared at him. Then she stuck her tongue out at him. Him! He shook his head and went back to his drawing. He sketched out the tiger, but what he wanted to do was whittle it in wood. His mother had shown him how to whittle, how to take a piece of wood and make it come alive. She taught him when she was sick. He sat on the edge of the bed and watched her tiny white hands closely. Don't jiggle that bed, his father said. Your mom is in a lot of pain. He ain't hurting me, Robert, his mother said. Don't get all tired out with that wood, his father said. It's all right, said his mother. I'm just teaching Rob some things I know. But she said she didn't have to teach him much. His mother had to his mother told him he already knew what to do. His hands knew. That's what she said. Rob said the teacher, I need to go to the principal's office. Rob didn't hear her. He was working on the tiger, trying to remember what his eyes looked like. Robert, Mrs. Soam said. Robert Horton. Rob, Rob looked up. Robert was his father's name. Robert was what his mother had called his father. Mr. Falmer wants to see you in the office. Do you understand? Yes, ma'am, said Rob. He got up and took his picture of the tiger and folded it up and put it in the back pocket of his shorts. 
On his way out of the classroom, Jason Uttermeyer tripped him and said, See you later, retard. And Sistine looked up at him with her tiny black eyes. She shot him a look of pure hate. Um, like, what does that mean? She shot him a look of pure hate. Pure hate. You, I mean, I know what hate means, but pure hate. I mean, that means, I mean she really dislikes him. Because we know she she's very different from Rob. She wasn't letting herself get bullied. But she obviously doesn't like that people bully in general. Because now they're picking on Rob, but she still shot that dirty look to um, Jason Upmeyer. Chapter 5. The principal's office was small and dark and smelled like pipe tobacco. The secretary looked up at Rob when he walked in. Go right on back, she said, nodding her big blonde head of hair. He's waiting for you. Rob, said Mr. Fulmer when Rob stepped into the office. Yes, sir, said Rob. Have a seat, Mr. Fulmer said, waving his hand at the orange plastic chair in front of his desk. Rob sat down. Mr. Fulmer cleared his throat. He patted the piece of hair that was combed over his bald head. He cleared his throat again. Rob, we're a bit worried, he finally said. Rob nodded. This was how Mr. Fulmer began all his talks with Rob. He was always worried, worried that Rob did not interact with the other students, worried that he did not communicate, worried that he wasn't doing well in any way at school. It's about your... Uh, your legs. Yes, your legs. Have you put in, Have you been putting that medicine on them? Yes, sir, said Rob. He didn't look at Mr. Fulmer. He stared instead at the paneled wall behind the principal's head. It was covered with an astonishing array of framed pieces of paper, certificates, and diplomas, and thank you letters. May I look? asked Mr. Fulmer. He got up from his chair and came halfway around his desk and stared at Rob's legs. Well, sir, he said after a minute. He went back behind his desk and sat down. He folded his hands together and cracked his knuckles. He cleared his throat. Here's the situation, Rob. Some of the parents, I won't mention any names, are worried that what you've got there might be contagious. So contagious means that it can spread between people. So contagious meaning something that other students could possibly catch. Mr. Fulmer cleared his throat again. He stared at Rob. Tell me the truth, son. Have, been, have you been using that medicine you told me about? The stuff that the doctor in Jacksonville gave you? Have you been putting that on? Yes, sir, said Rob. Well... Said Mr. Fulmer, let me tell you what I think. Let me be upfront and honest with you. I think it might be a good idea if we had you stay home for a few days. What we'll do is just give that old medicine more of a chance to kick in. Let it start working its magic on you. And then we'll have you come back to school when your legs have cleared up. What do you think about that plan? Rob stared down at his legs. He felt that picture of the tiger burning in his pocket. He concentrated on keeping his heart from singing out loud with joy.
So I'm going to pause there because Rob is stopping himself from, as they put it, singing out loud with joy that he is being kicked pretty much out of school for having a rash on his legs. So I want you to think about what does that tell you about Rob? Somebody that's glad they're getting kicked out of school. Yes, sir, he said slowly. That would be all right. That's right, said Mr. Fulmer. I thought you would think it's a good plan. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll just write your parents. I mean your father. I know, and tell him what's what. He can give me a call if he wants. We can talk about it. Yes, sir, said Rob again. He kept his head down. He was afraid to look up. Mr. Falmer cleared his throat and scratched his head and adjusted his piece of hair. And then he started to write. When he was done, he handed the note to Rob. Rob took it. And when he was outside of the principal's office, he folded the piece of paper up carefully and put it in his back pocket with the drawing of the tiger. And then, finally, he smiled. He smiled because he knew something Mr. Felmer did not know. He knew that his legs would never clear up. And he was free. So, Rob says he's feeling free. So... I'm wondering if he's feeling free just from school, or do you think he's feeling free from all of the problems in school? But he said that his rash, like he's like, it's never going to clear up. So what could that rash possibly be if it's never going to clear up? Because he's thinking right now, like, ah, I never have to go to school anymore. So singing with joy, because he knows that rash is never going to clear up. So we're going to talk a little bit about this when we come together. So those questions that I was asking, I want you to kind of think about those and come with some thoughts and answers to our next meeting because we will be discussing it.